Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. This radio ministry is sponsored by Church Partnership Evangelism and its local missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho, the Bread of Life. If you're looking for a ministry to give to that's taking the gospel and direct and personal evangelism throughout the world, then let me suggest you consider our ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. You can learn more about how God is using us by going to traincpe.org or going to our website, breadoflifeboise.org. Today, we consider the teachings of the Lord Jesus on the nature of you and I as human beings. What did Christ think of us? What did he know about us? What makes us what we are? Well, let's begin to find out as we consider what Jesus taught about man. John tells us in John chapter 2 that Jesus knew all men and that he knew what was in man. This is the unique perspective that our Savior had when he was instructing and teaching men. You had to understand that when he was speaking to men, he knew exactly what the individuals he was speaking to needed to hear, exactly what was in their heart that needed to be answered, exactly what the needs were in their lives. This is completely different than the way we hold our conversations. There are a number of times when we have spoken to individuals and talked to them, and we've had a parallel conversation that never intersects with the other individual. You're saying one thing, they're hearing another thing. They're saying one thing, you're hearing another thing. It goes on like that. (laughs) I can remember very early on in my wife and I's marriage. We lived in Portland, Oregon, and we were sharing a house with my brother and his wife. We were both basically newlyweds, and we were working on our master's degree. And during that time, I got in an argument with my sister-in-law. We had gotten news that the family dog had died back from home here in Boise that the family dog had died and I was so sad and I said to my sister-in-law that I love that dog more than anyone else in my family and she told me that I was crazy and I said no it's it's true I doubled down I love that dog more than my dad I love that dog more than my mom I love that dog more than my sister she said you are absolutely nuts and so we had this comp- we started arguing with one another I kept carrying it on with her trying to explain to her that yes I love that dog more than anyone else in my family and finally we began to understand that she was hearing me say I love that dog more than I loved my sister I love that dog more than I love my dad, more than I love my mom, more than I love my my sister. I love the dog more than anyone else in my family. And I was saying, I love that dog more than my dad loved that dog. And I love that dog more than my mom loved that dog. And I love that dog, she would argue with me, more than my sister loved that dog. And we were talking about two totally different things. It went on for a long time. In fact, the only time when we realized that we were misunderstanding ourselves was We looked over and my brother was sitting in the corner of the room laughing his head off. He'd been laughing through the whole thing, listening to a conversation that wasn't connecting with either one of them. A lot of the mistakes that we make in our teaching of other individuals and a lot of the advice that we give to other individuals that fail to hit the mark is simply because we don't know what they're thinking. We don't know what they know. We don't know what's in their heart. We just don't have the right take on them. But when the Lord Jesus spoke, he had a full understanding of those that he spoke to. He knew exactly what was in their heart and what exactly was in their mind and exactly how they were considering and receiving the information that they were getting. And so his message had a unique authority because it found you out. When the Lord Jesus speaks to you, it finds you out. It knows you. It hits the mark. And so this morning we'll pray and hope that as we consider his instruction on the study of what he taught about us, that it will hit our mark. It will hit the mark. It will speak to us and will say to us what we need to hear. 
We can't be extensive in what we're going to consider this morning, so what I want to do is I want to take you to that temptation that we read in Matthew chapter 4 of Christ that took place at the very beginning of his ministry. Matthew records the account of Christ's temptation in the wilderness after he was baptized. Mark records it. Luke records it. The account took place after Jesus had been fasting in the wilderness for over 40 days. And the fact that Matthew knew about this and Luke knows about it and Mark knows about it will tell us that the Lord Jesus used this experience as a point of instruction to his disciples. This story was a part of the consistent teaching that he gave his disciples. And so let's look at them. And the first thing we'll see here is you'll recall that there were three temptations that Jesus faced from the accuser Satan. First, Jesus was hungry, and Satan tempted him to turn the stone into bread. If you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And then Satan took the Lord Jesus to the top or highest point of the temple, the pinnacle of the temple, and he said, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written that he'll give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And after this, then the, Satan takes Jesus up to a great mountain. He shows him all of the glory of the kingdoms of this world, and he basically says to him, I will give you all of these things if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus, when he met these temptations, met them as a man. He addressed them just as a human being, just as much as a human being as we ourselves. And these temptations that we read here that Satan offers up, basically, I believe, encompass the heart of all the temptations that you will ever face in your life. The essence of all the temptations that Satan runs at you. Satan comes at us in the same way that he came at the Lord Jesus in his temptations. His attacks are basically laid upon the essential nature of our humanity. Satan lays his attack at what makes us what we are. And to meet those temptations and to overcome those temptations, we have to know what Christ knew about what we were made of. We have to know what Christ knew about what we were made for. And we have to know what Christ knew about what our great purpose is to be or our great work is to be. And these are the things we're going to look at. And here's the answer, by the way. We'll go over these again. But we were made spiritual beings. We were made for a relationship with God. And we are purposed to worship and serve God alone. And this is what the Lord Jesus taught in the lesson of his own temptation about the nature of human beings. Let's look at each one of them and we'll move along. First, he taught that we are not essentially physical or material beings, but that we are, above everything else, spiritual beings. The answer that the Lord Jesus gives for his first temptation to turn the stone into bread to feed himself was, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And in this answer, Jesus is affirming that human beings are not only physical beings. We're not merely physical and material beings with physical and material impulses that need to be met and satisfied, but that we are spiritual beings and that we had a non-material soul that needed to be nurtured and fed by the Word of God. One of the great temptations that captures us is the suggestion that all we need is to have our physical desires satisfied to have our life go in the direction that it needs to go and that the great sum total of what we need above everything else to be satisfied and happy and to find meaning and purpose is just to have our physical desires met. And 
If we're denied this, we are actually being taught today that we are being denied our essential selves. In fact, this is, in a sense, the leading promotion point of human nature today is to identify ourselves solely around the material substance and our physical substance. Today, whole personal identities are being developed and crafted around individuals' physical attributes or their desires or their impulses or their feelings. These are driven home to the minds of people as their essential identity. And before these attributes or before these attributes, we are being now called upon to claim those things, that substance, that pleasure, that color of your skin, that feeling, that impulse, that persistent desire as the thing that defines your essential self. And if anyone should suggest to you that you're more than your physical attributes or you're more than your impulsive desires and interest or that your feelings are not essential to who you are or that even your behavior is wrong and not God's will, they're being taught that you are trying to deny them themselves, that they are basically being assaulted by your words and your instruction because that's who you are. That's your identity. Now the Lord Jesus taught something entirely different. He taught that our essential selves was found in material part of us that was made to feed on the truth of God and the word of God and be conformed to God and be conditioned by his holiness and be conditioned by his love and conditioned by his purity moving through us and being bound to him and his purposes. That this is the most deep and most significant part of our lives. That we are spirit, not mind, not chemical desire, not physical or psychological classifications, but a spirit that has been made to answer to God and to abide with God. That's what the Lord Jesus taught. Now, that didn't mean that we weren't physical beings. The Lord Jesus knew this. He knew our impulses. He knew our weaknesses. He knew our physical needs. He, he actually taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He knew our concerns for the common things that we face every day that we needed to have expressed in our life. And so he taught us that God was aware of those things and that God would care for us. And this meant that God understood our physical weaknesses and our physical needs too, and he could provide for these things. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33, the Lord Jesus says this. This is right after he says, Lay up your treasures in heaven where rust and moth cannot destroy. Then he says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things that Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Isn't that comforting? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So Jesus taught that God did not forget your physical being and those needs that are associated with it. But then he taught that your essential life was found in laying up treasures in heaven that your essential life was cultivated with the well-being of your soul being immersed in God's truth and in seeking God's rule in your heart and expressions of righteousness and that as you did this, that all those other things would be put in their proper order and under God's will and they would be provided for, but they would be subsequent to the life of the Spirit seeking the life of God and the will of God. The life of the Spirit was and is preeminent in the teaching of Jesus Christ. All Christ's teaching ultimately revealed that we are to prioritize our spiritual life over the physical and the material. When we change that order, 
When we prioritize the physical life over the spiritual life, we live upside down lives. We project ourselves towards eternal destruction and ruin as a result. The Lord Jesus, speaking of the immortal essence of the soul, said things like this. What does it profit a person if they gain the whole world? That is, what does it profit a person if all of the attractions of their body that they call out for are met? If they get all of the pleasure and they get all the power and all the prestige that they want, what does it profit the person if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And again, he said, don't fear those who kill the body, but fear the one who can kill the body and kill the soul in hell. And again, he said this, if your hand and your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it's better that you enter life lame and maimed rather than having two hands and two feet and to be cast into everlasting fire. You know, when we consider those things, we, we have to tell ourselves that these are not merely God issuing somehow threats over us, threatening us physically. Instead, we need to see that they are statements directing us to the essence of our being, that which is in us the most enduring and the most precious, our souls our spirits, that part of us that is made to know and feel and live with God is our essential being and we go wrong when we place the physical before the spiritual, when we're dominated by the physical and not the spiritual. And no one knows your physical needs more than the Father and no one knows your spiritual needs more than Him as well. Thanks for listening today to The Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our ministry and our church fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We gather for worship in the Old White Church in the Warm Springs area of Boise every Sunday at 11 a.m. We'd love to have you join us. Until the next time, may God bless you.